0: I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. We're going to embark on a journey through the book of Ephesians over the next number of weeks together as we consider this important book in the life of the early church, as we consider this important book in our lives as well. As we get ready to do that, as we get ready to tackle this series called Death to Life, I'm curious, how many of you have ever met someone from Texas? You know, it's interesting when you meet someone from Texas, they like to let you know they're from Texas, the Republic of Texas, right? They're proud of it. We've got a few that are here, they are transplants, and uh, they don't feel like they're transplants. They're still Texonians, is that close? Maybe not, just Texas, there we go. You know, it's interesting that as we think about where we're from, as we think about who our parents are, as we think about maybe where we went to school and the job that we have, as we think about the fact that many of us are parents in this room, it's interesting that we oftentimes wrap our identity around those things. In fact, when people typically introduce themselves, oftentimes the first question that they'll ask is, so what do you do? And we oftentimes look at our lives, we look at ourselves and we find our identity in a number of different things. Maybe where we're from, the job that we have, the fact that we're parents or grandparents, And as we look at the book of Ephesians, what we're going to see take place is Paul specifically highlighting the identity of a follower of Jesus Christ. So what Paul's going to do over the next number of weeks together as we unpack this book is in chapters 1 through 3, Paul is going to say to the believer, this is who you are. This is your identity. As a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what is true about you. And then in chapters 4 through 6, he's going to say, in light of who you are, this is how you should live. But for Paul, you can't jump to how you should live as a follower of Jesus without understanding at the core who you are in Christ. So this morning and over the next few weeks together, we're going to see Paul unpack that for us. I want to read beginning in chapter 1, verse 1 of Ephesians. This is what the text says. we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Father, we ask this morning that You would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that You would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that You would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to Your Word And to your spirit, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. As we look at the passage of Scripture this morning, I want you to notice, first of all, the greeting that Paul uses to introduce this letter to the church in Ephesus. Paul highlights the reality that he is an apostle of Christ Jesus. He has seen the risen Christ. He's an apostle to the will of God. And he's writing this book to the saints, the believers who are gathered. In Ephesus, You see, Paul had spent some time in Ephesus. In fact, three years, he had shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. He had discipled many of them. He had started a church in that important city. And Paul, on the back end of that, is writing back to this church to instruct them, to encourage them, to challenge them, to continue living out the Christian life. Ephesus was an important city in the ancient world. It was on a trade route. It was a city about the size of Tampa in size. But it was a city that had given itself over to worship of many gods And one in particular that they had built a temple to, it was one of the seven wonders of the world. People would journey to Ephesus so that they could worship at this specific temple to a false god. And so as we looked through the book of Acts, we saw Paul enter into this city and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We saw people who were far from God be brought into relationship with God through Jesus Christ His Son. We saw that Paul had disrupted the course of Ephesus' society so much that they were trying to kill him because all of the idol makers in the city had gone out of business because people were forsaking their false gods and worshiping the one true God. So Paul leaves the city because they are trying to kill him. And he says, let's appoint elders and pastors to take over this work and I'm gonna get out of the way so that God can continue to do what he's doing in this important city. And Paul is writing back to them. Paul's heart is for these group of believers in Ephesus and for the surrounding churches that had been planted around this important city. And he says to them in verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to embark in verse 3 all the way down through verse 14, and you need to know this because it's very, very important that these verses, 3 through 14, in the original languages, one sentence, one sentence. Some of you English teachers are cringing inside right now. You're thinking, how do you pack all of that into one single sentence? And what you see as you work through this is that Paul just can't stop talking about our identity in Jesus Christ as believers. He says, this is true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true. And 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 And you're going, where does it end? And the truth is, it doesn't. Our identity in Christ is so multifaceted and so important in the life of a believer. If if we can just grasp the truth of who we are in Christ, it will transform the way that we live our lives. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that'll frame our time together in the text this morning. And it's this truth, understanding your identity in Jesus Christ is key to living out the Christian life. If you and I who are followers of Jesus can grasp our identity in Christ, if we can understand what Christ has done for us, it will change the way that we live our lives. And you may be here this morning, and the truth is that you are not yet in Christ. So I want to challenge you as we walk through the text this morning to consider what Paul is saying is true about the follower of Jesus. And ask yourself this morning, would I want this to be true about me? And if that's your heartbeat today... You have an opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to trust in Jesus for your salvation this morning. As we look, beginning in verse 3 and walking down through verse 10, I want you to take note of this important truth. In Jesus Christ, for the believer, you have been redeemed. You have been redeemed. Verse three, Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the interesting things in this first part of chapter one is we're going to see the interplay of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in the work of salvation here in these verses. So it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now for Paul in this moment, this is simply his introduction to what he's getting ready to say beginning in verse 7. He's simply laying the groundwork for us understanding as believers what it means for God through His Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us, to save us, to transform our lives. And what Paul wants us to understand in these early verses is that this has been God's plan from before the foundation of the world was laid. Now, here's what you need to understand and what I need to understand because there may be some discussion on the back end of this text and asking questions like, hey, that word predestination, what does it mean? Does that mean God chooses me and I have no say so in this or does, do I choose God? What is going on here? And here's what I want you to understand. We have to understand that God does not operate on a linear time frame like we do. So this morning, when you woke up, you started thinking, what's next? If you're like me, you thought, where's the coffee? (laughs) Coffee first. And then you thought, okay, after that, I grab my Bible and I read, and then take a shower, get ready to go to church and drive. And we think about life in linear terms. We move from point A to point B, from being born to growing up to death. That's how we view life. But what you have to understand is that God exists outside of time. That it is God who created time. So when we look at a text like this and we see the emphasis here on predestination that God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. What we have to understand is that God is existing outside of time and God sees the past and the present and the future right now. And the emphasis that Paul is making here is not an order of events that take place. What he's emphasizing here is the reality that What happens in the act of salvation is not by accident. That in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sin in the garden, God is not sitting there saying, Oh, guys, what do we do now? I didn't see that coming, I didn't know that that was about to happen. No, God knows ahead of time what's going to happen. And before the foundations of the world were laid, God knew that He would send His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. That He would die on the cross for our sins. That He would make it possible for us to be forgiven and to be brought in right relationship with our Heavenly Father. As we look at what Paul lays out for us here, it's the roadmap of God's purpose and plan unfolding in our lives. As we look at verse seven, I want you to notice what Paul writes here. In him, that is in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace so follower of jesus i want you to be reminded this morning that you have been redeemed That's not a word that we oftentimes use, but I remember as a kid growing up, we had a place that we would go and hang out called Putt-Putt. And you would be able to play in the arcade there, and you would put your tokens in, and you'd play the game, and it would spit tickets out to you. And then as you finished your night, you could go up at the very end to the counter, and they had. All of the toys there. And you could redeem a toy with your tickets. If you didn't have the tickets, you didn't get the toy. But if you had the tickets, you could exchange them, turn them in, and redeem the toy. And so I remember growing up that we would go in and we would look and say, oh, wow, I want a Nintendo, and that was when they first came out, church, (laughs) Nintendo, right? I don't know how many iterations have gone by now, but there's things a whole lot further away from that, but I remember that, and I remember it was some astronomical amount of tickets and I would go in and I'd look and go, oh man, if I could just get a Nintendo. But it was 25,000 tickets. And then you'd look and you'd say, but you could get a ball for five tickets. It's like, we're going to make that exchange, right? I need something to go home with every time. But here's what you need to understand and what I, as a follower of Jesus, need to understand that Jesus Christ paid for our sins with His blood, redeemed us, so we're going to see in just a few weeks together that He took us from darkness into light, that He took us from trapped in our sins to being made alive together in Christ, that that is what He did on our behalf. So as you think about that this morning, what I want you to know and to understand that for you as a follower of Jesus, that Jesus Christ redeemed you. And it was according to, to the riches of His grace. Verse 8 says that He lavished upon us. saw a video this past week of a man who was in a jewelry store and he was trying to buy an engagement ring. Some of you may have seen this. Shaquille O'Neal walked in to the jewelry store. And he overhears the conversation that this man's having with the person who's checking him out. And He's saying, I'm gonna have to set this up on a payment plan over the next 12 months to pay for this. And Shaquille O'Neal reaches into his wallet and pulls his credit card out and said, I got this. Some of you are thinking, where was he when I was there? But what an extravagant and lavish gift that he gave to this man. But what I want you to understand is that you, if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, you've experienced that same thing to a much greater degree that Jesus Christ has lavished his grace on you. In all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you play a part in God completing His plan of redemption in this world, of setting things that are wrong right. You and I play a part in that. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can have a part in this. You can experience what it means to have your sins forgiven, to be redeemed, to be purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. You can experience forgiveness of your sins, the amazing, lavish grace of God in your life. Not only in Jesus Christ have you and I been redeemed, But I want you to notice beginning in verse 11, in Jesus Christ you have been adopted. You know, it's one thing when you look at what Christ has done for us, that Christ has purchased us with His blood, that His blood on the cross shed for us makes it possible for our sins to be forgiven, but it's so much more than just that. And what Paul wants us to understand in the text this morning is not only have we been saved from our sins, not only have we been redeemed, have we been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ, not only that, but God through Jesus' act there on the cross saving us from our sins has brought us into His family. That once, we'll find out in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we were aliens separated from God. We were His enemies, but because of what Christ has done, believer, you and I have not only been forgiven of our sins, but we have been adopted by God the Father. When we talk about the fact that your identity as being redeemed and your identity as being a child of God, what we see in that is God working in your life and in my life for a specific plan and purpose. I've told you before that I was ado- my brother was adopted, so I remember at the age of 14 that my parents were talking to me and they said, hey, we have an opportunity to walk through this adoption process. And so they had a phone call when my brother was about six weeks old. And so we all gather around and it was an interesting situation because what they said was it looks like this may happen, but we really don't know. And so we're sitting on pins and needles, and at that point in time, at six weeks old, the birth mother backed out. And so my parents in that moment were crushed experiencing that, but when he was six months old, she came back to the table and said, you know what, this is the best thing for him, for me to put him up for adoption. And so at the age of six months old, my parents adopted my younger brother. Now, in all of that, there was a lot going on for me, but here's the thing that I realized when they brought him home. He had a new family. His last name changed. Everything that was afforded to me as my parents' child, in an instant when he came home, was afforded to him and the truth is that's what happens for you and I being part of the family of God so no longer are we aliens no longer are we separated from God but God not only has purchased us with his blood but he has brought us into his family You as a follower of Jesus this morning are a child of God which means that when God sees you He sees His child. You look and you say what comes with that? The same thing that comes with being a child of any family. Acceptance. Love, oftentimes siblings, meaning for you and for me, if we're followers of Jesus this morning, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Meaning that because we've been adopted into the family of God that for you and for I there is something that unites us that is deeper than anything else that could unite us in this world and that is the blood of Jesus Christ shed for us. You and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul continues here in verse 11. Notice where he goes with this truth. In Him, that is in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. Now think about that for just a second. Because of what Christ has done for us, we have been brought into the family of God. And as a result of being part of the family of God, we have received an inheritance. say, Michael, what is that inheritance? Well, certainly as we look long-term focused, it is eternal life. We've received eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our sins have been forgiven. The promise that Jesus has made to us is that we will spend eternity with Him in heaven. But it's not just that. It's not just an inheritance waiting for a long time from now, but it's an inheritance that we have the opportunity to live in today. If you notice, Jesus said, not only did I come to give you life eternally, but I came to give you life abundantly. And too many times we confuse that with material possessions. Some preachers have hijacked that and said, all you need to do is ask God and he'll give you whatever you want. And I'm like, where's the red Ferrari? But That's not at all what Jesus is talking about. What he's talking about is for you and for me who have been adopted into the family of God, we have received not only an eternal inheritance that we'll one day be able to enjoy, but we have received an inheritance today that we can also enjoy, and that is a life lived the way that God intends for it to be lived. You see, when you look back, what you realize in the Garden of Eden is that Adam and Eve were designed, were wired in such a way that for them to live the way God intended was in relationship with Him. We've said this time and time again, for every single one of us, there is a God-shaped hole in the human heart that only God Himself can fill. And we try to fill it with all kinds of things that will never fill it. But when we fill it with God Himself, when we are adopted into the family of God, we live life the way life was meant to be lived, in relationship with God. So if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, not only can you look forward to an inheritance one day eternally when you will spend the rest of your days face to face with God, but you can spend today in relationship with Him. Every single day you have an opportunity to walk with Jesus Every single day, you have an opportunity to open His Word and to hear from Him. Every single day, you and I have the privilege to join together with other believers and to encourage one another, to build one another up so that we will do what God intends for us to do with our lives. In Jesus Christ, we have obtained an inheritance having predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. The inheritance we have obtained. It's interesting. It's all to the glory of God. The fact that we've been adopted into his family is to his glory. So for you and for me, as we live out the Christian life, as we walk with God day in and day out, it is bringing praise to his name every single day. That His plan as it's unfolding in our lives is bringing glory to His name. That we as His children, in the same way that we are proud of our kids, that we look when our kids score a goal in soccer or when they come home and they have mostly A's, or when they come home with... The kindness award from school. We're like, yes, great job. That's amazing. You are living out exactly what we wanted. And the Father does the exact same thing with us as His children. To the praise of His glory. And then lastly in verse 13 and 14. In Jesus Christ, you have been sealed. Notice beginning in verse 13. In Him you also... That's in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him. Listen to this. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So for you and for me, if we're followers of Jesus, not only have we been redeemed, not only have we been brought into the family of God, but we have the stamp, the seal of the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within us to prove, to seal the truth of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. It's interesting, I told you before that I'm a fan of history, I enjoy going back and reading biographies of people, and one of the things that I think we should bring back these days is the art of letter writing. Twitter's fine, Facebook's usually dumb, (laughs) full transparency, right church? but the art of letter writing, to actually sit down and put pen to paper and what you see, and I love this practice, and, and, and I think we should resurrect it. So if you go home today and you wanna follow the pastor's instructions, write a letter to somebody, okay? But one of the things that you see that took place in history past is that people would finish a letter and they would close the letter up, and it was long before someone came up with the bright idea to have an envelope. They would simply fold the piece of paper over, and they would pour a bit of wax on the corner of the piece of paper, and they would stamp it with a seal so that you would know who the letter was from. So kings would use it in the olden days to decree something, to say, this is my stamp of approval on this law or on this letter as it's going forth. But I want you to notice that what we see Paul letting us know in the text this morning is that the Holy Spirit of God is that seal in our lives as believers to say, this is what God has done in this person. That the Holy Spirit of God, every believer has the Spirit of God indwelling him or her and it is the seal of what God has done in their lives. So for you and for me, there's no doubt if we've taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior, there's no doubt that that is true in our lives as the Holy Spirit dwells within us. You know it's interesting that what we see in light of the Holy Spirit indwelling us is that there's fruit that is evident in the life of a believer, that for you and for me, that as we live out the Christian life, fruit will be evidenced in our lives for us this morning. Paul has unpacked for us the reality that our identity in Jesus Christ is the foundation that we need to be able to live out the Christian life that he's called us to live. That's when I ask you this morning if you would bow your heads with me and close your eyes and our worship team will make their way back up and We'll have a time of invitation and then we'll follow that this morning with an opportunity to celebrate communion together. But with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed this morning, I wanna ask a simple question of you. And that is, what is... Your identity. Spiritually speaking, what is your identity? Have you taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you been redeemed? Have you been brought into the family of God? Have you been sealed? with the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Michael, I, I just don't know. I don't know if I've ever taken that step or, or I know that I've definitely not taken that step and today I do want to take that step. I want to encourage you in just a few moments as we stand and sing to step out from where you are and to come down and to grab my hand or Pastor Aaron's hand and let us know that you'd like to take that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. We had one just this past Easter Sunday in the second service who took that step. And maybe for you today, that's your step. I'd encourage you to take it. maybe this morning for you, you have taken that step. You are a follower of Jesus, but this morning has hit home with you. You've struggled living out the Christian life. You have had a difficult time and you've wondered, "What, what am I missing? What's the secret that I just don't know about? And maybe you today need to take some time, just go back to the basics. To be reminded this morning that in Jesus Christ, you have been redeemed. That Jesus Christ's death on the cross, His blood shed has made it possible for your sins to be forgiven. That His resurrection has secured salvation for you. Maybe this morning, it's a time for you to rest in that, to praise God for that. Maybe this morning, you've been reminded that when God sees you, he doesn't say, oh man. They always mess up. But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, when God sees you, He says, That's my son. That's my daughter. His heart is turned towards you today. And maybe you need to rest in that. Maybe this morning for you there's doubts. Maybe you've taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, but Satan is doing everything he can to distract you, to discourage you, to dissuade you from following Jesus with your life, and you're just in a season of doubt right now. Can I remind you that in Christ, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, that there is not a doubt this morning if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior where you stand with God. Satan would love nothing more than to sow those seeds of doubt in your life. I want you to claim the promise this morning that you've been sealed with the Spirit of God. Father, we ask this morning that as we have an opportunity to respond to you that for those who are far from you, who need to take the step of trusting Jesus Christ as their savior, would you give them the courage right now in just a moment as we stand to sing, to step out and to come down and to share with myself or with Pastor Aaron that they need to take that step of trusting Jesus as their savior. Father, maybe this morning there's a believer here that needs to lean into the truth that we talked about today, that needs to be reminded of their identity in Christ, that needs to rest in their identity in Christ. Would you give them time over the next moments we have together to do just that? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you as we have an opportunity just for a few minutes here to respond to the Lord afterwards we'll celebrate communion together but I want to encourage you if you would you stand and you sing if you need to respond to the Lord this morning myself pastor Aaron will be down front we would love to talk with you maybe you need to spend some time on your knees before the Lord resting in the truth of who you are in Christ this morning You stand and you sing. You respond as the Lord leads you.